Hello, you're listening to Fish Food, a podcast for entrepreneurs who started working for themselves to build companies that grow into thriving businesses. Here, we provide bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 20 minutes or less. I'm your host, Keila hill Trawick, and whether you're acting as your own accountant or looking for a new one, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Fish Food Podcast. I am really excited today because we're going to have a conversation that is really specific to accountants. I think everybody has heard the kind of horror stories about the way that the accounting profession is dwindling and the numbers of um, new people that are coming into profession and what that is doing for us. And so super excited today to have an expert in the field to talk to us about what that looks like, maybe some um, insight on where it comes from and how we can address it going forward. So Liz, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to speak with you and your audience today about what is happening in the pipeline. It's, no problem. Uh, it's very, very concerning. So, yeah, uh, we are going to dig into all of that. First, yeah. I would love for you to tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, I'm currently the executive vice president of Surgeon Accounting and Financial Education. Um, I am leading the uh, business unit. I've been leading it for about three years now. I started my career right out of college working for Coopers and Librand, now of course, PwC, working in New York, working wow. investment banks. Um, after putting my time in there and getting my license and my experience, I, I, I made a complete career change and went into college teaching. Oh, my God. I, I had always wanted to be a teacher. And my alma mater, Pace University, invited me back to teach. So I started teaching and stayed in that career for well over two decades. Um, but at the same time, I started my own business. Uh, I began preparing candidates for the CPA exam. My oh. business grew and we were based out of New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, back in about eight or so years ago, um, I was invited to partner with Surgent and bring my CPA review course into the, the Surgent companies. And, and that's what I did. So I was living the entrepreneur dream uh, and, you know, have have really had quite an incredible journey, you know, partnering with a big company and getting involved in private equity and uh, you know, I pinch myself uh, every once in a while because I feel like I've been really, really lucky and I've been able to help, you know, a lot of college students achieve their dreams. And, you know, um, you know, now being on the continuing ed, helping people uh, really pursue their career goals. So very, you very basically good journey touched all the areas of accounting, like most people do not get that opportunity. So that's a really cool experience. Absolutely. So because you've touched so many areas of accounting and just so many areas of industries in general, I would imagine you really have a very unique perspective in being able to see not just where people end up, but kind of the pipeline of how accountants get there. Tell me a little bit about maybe when you started seeing the decline, did that feel sudden to you or was it over time the indicators that something was changing in the industry and that people weren't coming in the way that they used to? So we have seen ebbs and flows in the pipeline and it typically is centered around major CPA exam changes. 
So if you were to look at, you know, when, when it starts to fall, it's usually immediately after a major exam change. Ah. And when an exam change is about to happen, there's a major surge. So people try to take the exam before the exam change. So in 2016, we saw a major spike in the number of candidates who were pursuing the CPA exam because the AICPA had announced they were putting through some significant changes in the exam in 2017. So we expected to see a little bit of a drop. But what continued to happen, 2017, it went down, 2018 went down, 2019, it went down. We never rebounded. Uh, and we were surprised by that. You know, it, we, so we started to raise the alarm bells as early as 2017 when it, and when it declined and didn't start to rebound. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And ah. when, um, you know, 2020, the Prometric sites were closed. Yeah. People couldn't actually take the exam. There was so much uncertainty. And as you know, when people go for the exam, they have to put a lot of study time in. So <laughs> yes, not knowing if they were going to get a date, if it was going to be open or would have to close. Many people just stayed out of the examination pipeline. When things started to return to normal, we were hopeful that in 2021, we'd see a rebound. And we haven't. No. In, in 2022, we were expecting, okay, now it's really going to come back. And sadly, the numbers in 2022 were worse than the numbers in 2020. Ah, yeah. So now we're we're in 2023, and we're we're facing the CPA evolution. It's going to uh, go into effect in January of 24. So, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that we see people come back into the pipeline now in 2023 because they should, if they follow the pattern, it's the right before a major exam change. Um, but we're not we're not seeing that right now. So. We've gone back and looked at some of the trends that are leading into the pipeline. And one of the first indicators, of course, is accounting majors. Yeah. What's happening to the accounting major on campus? And unfortunately, what we're seeing is a decline in the number of candidates who are enrolling in accounting majors. Mm. Compound that with even those students who are majoring in accounting, how many of them are choosing to enter the, the CPA candidate pipeline? And those numbers are also down. So we've started to kind of peel back the onion and look at what are the factors? What are what are these candidates saying? Number one, why are they choosing accounting to begin with? Right. Number two, if they choose accounting, why aren't they entering the CPA pipeline? And I have to say, the the feedback we're getting, it's a it's a very complex issue. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a one issue can we can resolve it and everybody will come back. There are multiple factors uh, and they're they're all quite concerning. Yeah, I'd love to dig in deeper on that. What are the factors that you're seeing? I mean, all industries overall have been affected by the pandemic in a variety of ways. Have Some have rebounded, some have not. And being that you started seeing these warning signs way earlier than the pandemic and they've kind of continued afterwards, what have you seen as reasons or background information for why accounting specifically and CPAs in a more narrow niche are being affected in this way? So I would I would start by um, one simple simple idea, and it's return on investment. Whether that is a return on the education or a return on the time and money it takes to go for the CPA exam. So people coming into college are looking at the requirements of an accounting major, and one of the hot topics right now is the 150 credit hour rule. 
you know, it took Twitter has been ablaze about the 150. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it took decades for all the state boards to adopt the rule. And the idea was, you know, adding a, an additional education component would make uh, candidates um, more well-rounded, have a more solid foundation. You know, it would raise the bar for the entry into the profession. And I agree with the theory of that. But when you look at the different jurisdictions and the different education requirements, it's not it's not uniform. So one state may require that in order to achieve the 150 credit hour requirement in their state, you have to take a certain number of tax classes, a certain number of audit classes. Ah. But other states went a different route and said, no, you just need 30 additional credits. So it could be 30 credits. You could have psychology. You could yeah. have yoga. You you know, they didn't specify the requirements. So there's not uniformity there. Now, so that's a major factor. The second thing is that I think this has really been a deterrent is that the profession hasn't kept up with salary increases. Um, you know, if, if a student were to look at the track of someone who majors in finance, for example, and someone who majors in accounting, an accounting grad might start out in the lower 60s, whereas a finance grad might start out 70s, 80s. And that finance grad only needs four years of education, whereas an accounting grad needs 150 credits. And so that additional burden of that fifth year of education, number one, it's costly. We all know university tuition can be very expensive. And number two, the opportunity cost of not working that year. So if students are asked to stay an additional year, they're not working. So that one year of missed work experience plus the cost of the tuition can add up to be a significant amount of money. The other thing we see that, you know, that the students just understand the demands of working in public accounting. They hear the horror stories of the long hours and the overtime and they're not they're not compensated for the overtime. So they 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 hear those horror stories and they're reluctant to enter the profession. Um, some of the other things we've heard from students is they've heard how hard the test is and they are afraid to fail. You know, typically these students are overachievers and to go into an exam that has a 50% pass rate, you know, it's not very encouraging for a lot of people. You know, so they're, they're worried about making that commitment. And then on top of that, if you talk about the fifth year of education, another major deterrent is the cost of the exam, as well as the cost of preparation for the exam. You know, in order, many students take a review course, and that can be hundreds of dollars up to thousands of dollars. And then it takes the months to pass. So they're looking at an 18 plus month commitment to get a credential right? that right now employers aren't even requiring. Right. And that was going to be my next question, because obviously as a CPA myself, I respect the credential. I respect the hustle that it took to even get that um, certification, especially because I was working full time when I attained it. I had the benefit of working for the federal government at the time. And so they paid for um, and made available time for me to be able to study and take the test. But we also know that accountant can be an accountant without a CPA and the benefits, to your point, might outweigh the cost for some of them. What does the pipeline crisis for CPAs specifically do for the accounting industry as a whole? Um, I, I think that we are finally hearing about the pipeline crisis. 
because it's hit the firms. I am hearing from my friends that they simply cannot find the staff that they need to do the work that they have. I think years ago, we were expecting technology to really help our profession. And some of the manual skills obviously have been eliminated by technology, but some of the greater advancements haven't been made. So we still have a, a need in the profession for the number of accountants that they're they're trying to find, but they're simply not there. So colleagues of mine have told me that you know, they are they are turning away business right now because they do not have enough people to do the engagements. They've also loosened the requirements. So in the past, you know, you got to the two-year mark, you had to have your CPA. Right. Or they were going to ask you to move on. And in, in many firms, you can't be promoted above a certain level without the CPA. I'm hearing that the firms are kind of loosening those requirements because they don't want to lose the experienced talent. So the shortage is affecting the, the firms significantly. Um, there is a, such a, a, a competition out there for talent right now. When you look at the mm -hmm. universities, uh, because they have lower enrollments, the, the firms are going into as early as the sophomore year to try to find people to wow. come work as interns. I'm hearing, I'm hearing hearing, and this I think is a really good development, that firms are starting to create programs with high schools trying to create the early education of an accountant and what accountants can do uh, is so that their students can start college already leaning towards picking that major. With the evolution, it's going to be even more important for people when they come into school to kind of know they want to do accounting mm -hmm. so they can finish all the course requirements early. And if a student really knows they want accounting, what they can do to meet the 150 is take extra credits during the semester, or maybe take a summer class so they can actually finish all undergrad in four years. And if they do it during the semesters, most schools will say, whether you take 12, 15, or 18, it's the same tuition. So you end up paying the same four-year tuition cost, but you have a five-year program under your yeah. belt. So, so you qualify sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, you know, obviously that's demands placed on the student and they, they really need to know very early that this is what they want. And if they aren't um, exposed to what accountants actually do, all the variety of things you talked about, you worked, you worked for the government, you know, what a great career path. I, I went into public. I have friends who worked for the FBI. I mean, we mm -hmm. there's so many different things you can do, but I think young people coming out of high school don't even know those opportunities exist. Yeah, I would say that that's a really good next point that I want to make. So when I was in a university and undergrad, obviously the push for accounting majors was to go directly into a firm. Like it was all towards public, making sure that you were working um, in a major accounting firm, a regional accounting firm, but there, it, it seemed like there was no other path for you except mm -hmm. to go into a firm. And I was really blessed actually to be in a program called En-ROADS, um, which was for minority students, Black students to get corporate um, experience right out of high school. And I was not placed in public accounting where a lot of my peers were. I was placed in corporate and heard all of the stories about how hard they were working and how much they were doing and made a decision very early on in my accounting career that that was not a path that I wanted to take. I remember telling myself, 
I barely want to work 40 hours and y'all are talking about working 60, 70 hours with no end in sight. And so I'd be curious, in addition to the cost, the opportunity cost and the actual financial cost of getting a CPA, getting promoted, that pyramid of there being fewer and fewer opportunities for you to go up. What behaviorally um, are the changes that are coming or that are hopefully coming to firms to make it a more desirable work environment for uh, the pipeline to even want to come into? So I have heard that some firms are starting to increase salaries. You you figure if you're going through your five-year program, many people have a master's degree. So you have a master's degree, an MBA, yet you're being offered $60,000, $65,000 a year, maybe even less depending on where you work. So that is a major step forward. I think that we do need to catch up with starting salaries. I also think um, they're starting to listen to their staff. There, It's really important that we recognize that work-life balance is very, very important. And to ask young people to work 60, 70 hours a week, and then also try and study for the CPA exam, <laughs> you know, they're, they are going to choose alternate career paths because they don't have to do that. They don't have to get the CPA. You know, we haven't even talked about competing credentials. One of the, one of the credentials we're seeing rise in um, popularity is in the enrolled agent credential. Right. And, you know, we're even seeing firms open up tracks to principal through the EA credential. Yes. Wow. Because they don't want to lose their tax staff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if they if they are that experienced in tax, but they don't want to get the CPA, but you want them to have a credential, then the EA might be a valid path for them to take. Which wasn't even anything that we talked about before. EAs seem like they were only for entrepreneurs or people who are working specifically at tax shops, but it never came up kind of at work. Absolutely. So you have the EA, you have the CISA, you have CMA. So these are other credentials that people can consider. Mm-hmm. Um, EA, you, you do not need a college degree. You can start out while you're in college, even studying. You become an enrolled agent even before you graduate, the, uh, the, the, the costs of becoming an EA are significantly less than CPA. So with mm-hmm. these competing things, I think firms are recognizing that they, they need to address the issues that, that they're hearing from their staff that are preventing them from wanting to stay, wanting to come in, wanting to stay, wanting to advance. And I'm, I'm starting to see that response because the talent crisis is is really significant for firms right now. Yeah, competing firms is interesting too because back in the day, it seems like the firm's main competition were other firms. And now they are competing with corporations and technology companies and all of these places that are like, we can pay you more than them and we're not gonna require that you do all of this. How is the industry really responding to this idea that the paths have been broadened for um, CPAs, for accountants, but specifically for CPAs in an environment, in a world now where their paths are not requiring that credential? What is the industry doing um, in addition to the salary changes and all of that that really seem to be taking them from like stay at my firm to stay in this niche part of the industry as well. What are you seeing there in terms of those bigger levels of uh, competition that are happening? 
I'm not seeing as much as I would hope to see. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think that we're, we're, they were trying to address the, the candidate pipeline crisis, you know, what, why people aren't coming into the pipeline, but they've been slower to address those people that are with the firm, you know, uh, broader issues on, on trying to get them to stay. And, and that's been a problem of, of the, uh, the public accounting profession in general. They've been slow to respond. And so, you know, now we're in somewhat of a crisis mode. And if, if you, if you're reading the Wall Street Journal, reading accounting, yeah. reading publications, like all I'm seeing now is everybody starting to talk about this. And, and I think that's the first step. We've recognized that this is not only an entry level pipeline crisis, but it's an experienced talent crisis. If you've right. got somebody who's a supervisor manager working for you for five, seven years, the last thing you want to do is lose them. So mm-hmm. how do you keep them? You know, is it some of the firms gave out bonuses, uh, you know, mid year to try to keep people happy? I, I think though, when you're dealing with a talent crisis, how do you address the shortage when you still want to keep your client base and continue right. to offer the level of services? Does it mean the people that are there have to work more? Um, and that's that's not going to end well <laughs> for anybody who's in that boat. So I think there that we have to do more. We absolutely have to do more than what we're doing now. But I'm I'm pleased to see at least the conversation is really happening more broadly than ever before. Yeah, I'm glad that we have had this opportunity to really talk through this. Would love kind of as closing remarks for you to give some insight. I'll give you kind of two to choose from, but either what is working? So what are you seeing that seems like it's moving the needle in terms of adjusting for the pipeline crisis, um, specifically in terms of CPA candidates and people who are actually sitting for the exam and then like staying in the profession? Or what are we not doing as an industry um, or as CPAs that are in the field that you would like to see happen? Oh, I could answer both. Um, I love that. (laughs) So let's speak to the people who are thinking about coming into the profession. You know, you understand the laws of supply and demand. If you can become a CPA right now, you can write your ticket anywhere you want to go. Because they need you. They need you. They need you at every level. And it can you imagine if you went, you got, you met the requirements of your jurisdiction, you went on and passed the exam soon after college graduation, the firms would be clamoring for you. Anybody would be clamoring for you. So I encourage anybody who is currently in the pipeline or is thinking about entering it to do so now, especially with the impending evolution um, launching on January, 2024. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a complete revamping of the exam. And unfortunately, when that happens, we see a, a significant drop off in candidates entering. So now is the best time if you're in the pipeline to get it. Mm-hmm. And if you get it, like I said, you're going to be so valuable. You'll be able to choose where you want to work and your salary will be commensurate with the fact that you have earned that credential. I've been a CPA for over 35 years. I look back and I know it was hard for me to do. You said the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think of it as one of the best things that I did for my career because it's opened so many doors. Yeah. So I, from that sense, I really would like people to understand that it's still a great career path. And, and if you're in it, do it. Yeah. What we need to do is people who are 
you know, to, trying to advance the profession is get out there and speak. Yeah. And connections with, you know, students, whether they're at the college level or the high school level, connect with your state societies. A lot of the state societies have great partnerships with colleges and universities and even high schools trying to really, I think, dispel the myths of what an accountant actually does and really speak to all the things that we can do. Yeah. Where it can take you in your career. You've had such an interesting journey. Uh, you know, if you look about all, all the things that you've done, just imagine if someone were to hear you speak, you know, how mm. inspiring you would be. And I know you do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I I do the same. Um, my journey was very different. I went into academia for, for a period and then I started my own business. Um, you know, I have, I have two of my sons went into public accounting. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they, they left public. One is working in private banking. Another one is working in nonprofit. And so Mm -hmm. they've done completely different journeys, but that starting point, you know, entering the profession really helped them develop a strong work ethic and appreciate, you know, what they learned and they've taken those skills into completely different journeys. I think yeah. it's a great foundation. It's a great starting point. And, and honestly, you don't know where you're going to be in 10 years from now. You don't. What you a don't. great credential to have. You'll, you, you'll always have it. You know, it's not something that you lose. Uh, you may go inactive or, you know, you have to do your CPE to remain active. But I, I think that um, we just need to spread the word and, and, and get people to understand more of what we do and what opportunities are there for them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think one of the things that I didn't realize until later in my career is just the transferable skills of being an accountant, of being a CPA. I think the myth is kind of that you go in and you number crunch and then that is your job forever. And I remember being exposed to things like forensic accounting or, you know, CFO type jobs and all of these things in between the way that our brains work because of the ways that we're taught really can make a successful in a wide variety of fields that no one will touch if they don't know that they're available to them. So I'm glad that we can serve as examples for what you can do with an accounting degree, what you can do with a CPA specifically, and definitely will continue to do my part. And I know you'll continue to do your part to make sure that we're really advocates for this space for people to know that there are opportunities beyond beyond just public, beyond just kind of this narrow focus that we were kind of driven into. So I very much appreciate you taking this time to talk to us today. Um, I thank you for laying out some problems and solutions so that we can, as a group, um, as an industry, as a uh, in our camaraderie, really bring together some ideas of how we can get others into the profession. Would love for you to give us some information on where people can contact you or find out more about what you do if they're ready to get involved. Absolutely. You can reach me at uh, go to surgeon.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, I have really spent my career trying to help people achieve their professional goals. And so serving as a mentor is one of the things that uh, I, I consider to be one of the best parts of my career. So I thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you today. No, thank you. you. Excited to meet you too. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll make sure that your contact information is in the show notes so that people can reach out directly. And, you know, same here, anytime that we can help fellow accountants or people who are interested, just giving you some insight. um, I think I speak for both of us in saying that we'd be happy to do it. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you like what you heard, I've got good news for you. We're supporting you all over the internet. Check out our Instagram at littlefishaccounting or our website, littlefishaccounting.com for guidance, resources, and ways to work with us. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. See you next time.